Hello, everyone. Welcome back to episode three of season two. Three. Two point three. Almost three point two. Two point three. There you go. Season two, episode three. There you go. Yeah, that's a new way of labeling it. I like it. Yeah. That's like the, that's what they do in TV shows, right? It's like two point zero three to, Is it? Yeah, to list something the episode like that. names. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. It makes it sound cool. We're classy. Yeah. Sophisticated. Sophisticated. Two point three. Yes. I like it. Yeah. I like it. Or kind of like when, uh, I don't know if you had internet dial-up, dial-up internet growing up oh, with yeah. AOL, right? AOL. AOL 7.0. Not any different from 6.0, but <laughs> give us more money. AOL. I may be just like one second faster. Uh, full disclosure, I literally just got rid of my AOL account like a couple weeks ago. Wow. I made it when I was in... Well, I was I was like 11 years old. That was like my that was my jam, right? Yeah. For instant messaging mm-hmm. and eventually like having a MySpace page and all of those oh, yes. wonderful wow. things that we regret about our middle school years. I just now deleted that email account and it was it was quite freeing, let me tell you. Yeah. It's a it's a it was a rite of passage. I felt like a part of me <laughs> died in the process, but maybe yeah. it was a part that needed to die, sure. you know? Sure. Sure. Yeah. I honestly don't know I cannot remember what my AOL like username and things like that. Were you like an instant messenger? Did you? Uh... Yeah, I had instant messenger. Okay. Not to very many people. Do you remember any of your screen names? I cannot. Okay. Well, I, I remember mine. Okay. <laughs> and they're, they're, Are they shareworthy or no? Well, you know, it, it makes me look strange, but I'm a free man <laughs> and I embrace it. So when I was nine... My screen name was Gecko Dude 09. <laughs> when I was 10, I was like, I need a new screen name because this is just, you know. Gecko Dude yeah, is that's not, just not cool enough. It. Yeah. So, but at the time, like parental controls, like only my mom could really change it. And I was going off to school. I was like, mom, you got to think of a screen name for me, but have it some sort of like, have the word dude in it and or like, like man. And then something about 10, like, like try to think up of something and she goes okay so i get back and i go okay what's my new screen name she goes dude man 10 it's like are you kidding me so i had that one for a while got rid of that and then somebody commented on the fact that wojo which is kind of like my nickname in high school like a lot of people didn't even know my first name was kevin they just knew like wojo and one of the nicknames that came about was like wojo dojo you know like a karate dojo yeah so I became known as Wojo Dojo, so my screen name became Wojo Dojo 101. So that was my have most to have recent. That 101. Yes, of course. Yes. Because I'm going to teach you the art of Wojo Dojo. Not to be confused with Mojo Dojo. That's a different reference, <laughs> of which I was reminded of uh, numerous times growing up. But yeah, that's kind of the history of my screen names, which did not think we were going to go down this rabbit hole, but here we are. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, feeling pretty good here. That's, I wish I, I really wish I could remember what my screen names were, mm. but I mean, I still, I mean, I, I had a MySpace and I'm like, wow. Do you cringe was, when you think about your MySpace yeah. too, or is it just me? No, I totally yeah. do. <laughs> we are really aging ourselves. Yeah. But I feel but, like we got a good listenership yeah. that's like around our age and can yeah, appreciate for sure. it. So. Yeah, I have no idea. And I don't even know if I would know the email to like log into my MySpace page. Mm. I don't know. I might have to try that because if I can delete it, I will 100% delete it. (laughs) 
oh, I didn't have anything bad on it, but it's just like, it's a part of me that I think should die. Yeah. Like, it just, it just needs to be done. Let Jesus in to love you in that place, right? Like, right. Like, he's not ashamed of you. He loves you in that place. Right. But you do have to move on with yeah, your life. Yeah, let it, let it go a little yeah, bit. Just and let just, it go. Wow. Those were kind of the days, though, you know, when... The good old days. Yeah. Because you couldn't just sit around on the internet all day. You, because if you did, your phone line was down. Exactly. You know? Exactly. And I still can hear my mother say, will you get off the internet? I have to use the phone. Oh, mom. <laughs> you know? Or vice versa, get off the phone. I have to use the, the internet, you know? Yeah. And, and there's a part of me that wishes like that was still the case. Like there was still like a give and take kind of thing with the internet. You know, we couldn't just mm. freely browse it, but mm. that there was some sort of like, I don't know, a little bit of a, a sacrifice in, in being able to use it type of thing. I don't know if that makes any kind of sense. But, you know, with AOL, it was like I couldn't just jump on and do it whenever. Right, right? Like right. I had to. You had to be intentional. What were yes, you going to do? Because exactly. Because you knew it would take you 10 minutes to get to the website. So it's like. Right. Just to <laughs> even get onto, yeah, the, the homepage, it was like yeah. making that whole weird noise, you know, and mm-hmm. the little AOL man. Like, oh. Oh, yeah. Wow. Those were the days. Yep. And look at us now, like we're able to, the internet and technology is so like high tech that we're able to record. <laughs> yeah. Download, yeah. stream things, right? Not mm-hmm. even use CDs. Mm-hmm. Or to record podcast videos true. or whatever. Very true. Very true. Wow. All yeah. in our lifetime. Yes. Dang. Yes, indeed. We are wow. We are truly aging ourselves. We sound like the old people just ranting about these kids and their technology these days. Right. But Some days that's how I feel. I mean, I, I kind of do too. I embrace my inner old man. Just like I embrace my inner mm-hmm. young middle school Kevin with his MySpace who was just trying to make it in the world and make some friends and... Hey, he deserves love too, right? Right, and it got you to where you are today. Amen. <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> well, great. speaking of praising the Lord, Father, what's our topic for today? Yeah, so we have nicknamed this podcast episode PPK. Why would we nickname it in such a way? Well, because you have someone who suggested this who is who thinks he's kind of witty, has some sort of a sense of humor, and he was thinking about how we talk about the... PPP, the Paycheck Protection Program. We talk about the PPE, the Personal Protective Equipment. But when was the last time you ever heard anyone talk about the PPK? Anytime you say PPK, I just think it sounds like BB-8, which is a Star Wars reference. Uh, It makes me think of the KGB. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Okay, so we went two different directions on that. Yeah, you know, that's just... How life works. But so. what is PPK? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was just kind of like my abbreviation for priest, prophet, king. Oh. Okay. So so we must be talking about baptism. We must be. That's a that's a mm. good intuition because there was something that happened at baptism that's related to this idea of priest, prophet, and king. And actually, why not go straight to the source? So we have here uh, what's called the order of baptism of children. So these are the prayers that the priest prays when he's baptizing someone, usually an infant, but sometimes an older person. Mm -hmm. And if you remember uh, the last time you've witnessed a baptism after the baby has been baptized, so Father, Son, Holy Spirit, yay, everybody's like, oh, this baby's so cute. There has to be water. We have to get proper form and matter. Yes, yes, of course. So baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and you pour water those three times. Yes, yes. So after that part... Validity is kind of a big deal. That's that's Kind of, sort of, yeah. Yes, so after all of that valid 
matter and form, there is an anointing that takes place. So the priest takes this really lovely smelling oil. Oh, it's so good. And anoints the child or the adult on the head. And says, Almighty God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, has freed you from sin, given you new birth by water and the Holy Spirit, and joined you to his people. He now anoints you with the chrism of salvation so that you may remain as a member of Christ, priest, prophet, and king unto eternal life. Okay, so there's, there's where we see one of those references to priest, prophet, and king. So I got to be honest, you know, Emma was the one who came up with this idea of a topic. And I had to do a bit of research. This is not something that I have to teach a whole lot. It's something that I think I learned a long time ago, but just kind of had forgotten about. So I had to remind myself, what does that really mean? Like that, that was the prayer. We talk about priest, prophet, king. What are we talking about? And I think an analogy might help us get us going in the right direction if, if you still don't really know what exactly that entails. So I thought about Jason, right? Mary Kate's husband. And I just thought about if we were to follow... Jason around for a day uh, with his consent, of course, you know, we wouldn't want to be weird about it, but we followed him around all day and we just observed the various things that he does on a day-to-day basis. We would recognize that it's this one person, Jason, but he operates in like different functions or different offices, we could say, if we wanted to use like a theological term. So if we looked at him, it's, it's the same Jason, but we see that there's a way in which he operates out of his fatherhood when he's, you know, picking up his kids after a long day at work and he's operating out of his kind of function or office as a husband when he's talking to Mary Kate about how her day's been, etc. We see him acting out of his office or function as a student when he's going to class, when he's hitting the books. We see him operating out of his function or his office of an employee when he's at work. So it's the same Jason in all of those instances, but we see that there's like a different dimension, maybe not, dimension isn't the right word. Think of like a facet of a diamond, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. There's different facets that, that make him up and we, we see those different things on display. And so think about Jesus. One of the ways that we can look at Jesus, who is one person, is that especially in his public ministry, we see that Jesus kind of operates out of these three different offices, these three different functions that he has, which can be summarized as priest, prophet, and king. And what we're talking about today is that when we were baptized, we were baptized into Christ. And there was a number of things that happened at our baptism, right? Original sin was washed Mm. away. We became an adopted son or daughter of God the Father. We were welcomed into the church, all all these wonderful things. But we're going to talk about today, what does it mean that when we were baptized, baptized into Christ, we took on those same functions of priest, prophet, and king? Okay, so that's kind of like the big question we're going to look at. And the way we're going to structure that is by just going through each of those three functions or offices, priest, prophet, king, mm-hmm. and look at what does that word even mean? What is it referring to? How do we see Jesus as a priest, a prophet, and a king? And then make a concrete application for our lives. Like, okay, so how do I live out my priesthood, my prophetic calling? How do I live out my kingship in my everyday life as a baptized Christian? So mm-hmm. that's kind of a, a condensed way of looking at what we're going to be talking about. Do you have anything else you wanted to add? Emma? Just, yeah. And just to make a point, you know, when we talk about this and dive into the sacrament, we aren't doing, you know, a huge theological discourse, right? We're, we're basically hitting some of the high points. I mean, we are going into depth in some areas, but we do encourage, you know, continual research on this on your own 
as well. And because if we really wanted to dive deep, we could do an entire season <laughs> on the graces of baptism. And, you know, it, we will never fully understand the greatness and the, and the full grace of our baptism, the side of heaven. You know, I, I, I don't think, and that's with all the sacraments, you know, we will never understand the full power of the sacraments, the side of heaven. We can try, right? And, and that's what we're called to do, but there's still, right, there's, there's still a mystery there. Mm-hmm. And so we, we hope that you find yourself in that mystery, you know, and, and keeping in that awe and that wonder of God and how he speaks to us and how he works and he comes to us through the sacraments. So I just want to throw that out there just really before we start discussing, you know, this, if you're expecting a huge, like, in-depth study of the sacraments, like, probably not going to get there this episode, but we do want to hopefully give you some things to pray about and to to just think about in your own personal life, too, and recognizing that baptism is a truly a gift, one is one of the greatest gifts that we could ever receive. So, mm-hmm. so yeah. Yeah, and that's if you want to do more research on it, there's a lot that's written in the catechism that you can go to, mm-hmm. or another good source is the Vatican II document called Lumen Gentium. Mm-hmm. So it's L-U-M-E-N, G-E-N-T-I-U-M, and paragraphs 34 through 36 speak exactly on what we're talking about today, about this priestly, prophetic, and kingly function that we received at baptism. Mm -hmm. And that entire document, honestly, is worth a read. It's it's a a beautiful document. So Mm -hmm. if you didn't want to just read uh, the section about baptism, then to read the entire document, it is truly quite beautiful. So, So yeah, I think before we really kind of dive into the priest, prophet, and king. I just wanted to point, there was an article that Father shared and as we were kind of preparing for this and praying for it. And just uh, the author, Jason Gale, in this article points out something here I just wanted to read. And he says that when we are teaching this reality of baptism, all right, we can use it as a model for our lives that emphasizes both communion and diversity. This is important as lay people because even though we are called to be holy, we do this in different ways and degrees from the clergy. So Father's going to be able to share from a priestly point of view, from a ministerial priesthood, what does that look like? And then, I mean, obviously I'm a lay person, and so what does that look like living out these offices? We live them out in the same ways in some degrees, but then also in different ways. So there's a community there, there's a commonality, but there's also diversity in these as well. So yeah. just wanted to share that a little bit. I thought that was a, a beautiful kind of summary. for Yeah, yeah, it's a great synthesis. Know, so, so Father, uh, why don't you, we'll start out with priest, right? Sure. I think that's a beautiful place to start. So since you are a priest of Jesus Christ, mm. why don't you go ahead and talk to us about the priesthood here? I would love to, and I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to help me be on track because I, I took an entire class on holy orders and, and topics of the priesthood and I, I love learning about this and teaching others this, so I'm going to try to get right to the heart of what is a priest before I just go off the rails and we're here for three hours. Because that would be a lot of editing work for our for our team, who do a fantastic job. They do by the a way, fantastic but job. We don't want to give them too much work unnecessary. Work, I would so. love a three-hour conversation guys. on the priesthood, but I know there would be like two people who listen to it. I yeah. Like my mom just doing it just to, to support. Yeah. Yeah. Shout out, mom. Hey, yeah. You. All right, so take us into priesthood here. I would be honored. So what is a priest from a biblical perspective? I would say at the heart of the priesthood, if we're talking about like from a biblical perspective, a priest offers sacrifice. That's like one of the most simple ways of boiling it down. If you look throughout the Old Testament, 
you see that God establishes a priesthood. So he takes a man and separates him from the community for the sake of the community. And what he does is he offers sacrifice to God on behalf of the community. So he's kind of this mediator. He's kind of the middleman between the people of the tribe or the kingdom, etc., and God. And so there's two overall types of sacrifices that are offered. The priest would offer a sacrifice in reparation for sin. So if an individual or as the community has sinned, the priest would offer a sacrifice on their behalf to God. Or there's also certain sacrifices of praise and thanksgiving, just like we want to thank you, Lord, for this good harvest, so we offer you this sacrifice of praise, okay? So again, super basic, the priest offers sacrifice to God on behalf of others. Okay, well, where do we see that in Jesus? I think the most well-expounded teaching on this has to come from the letter to the Hebrews. The whole entire letter is all about Jesus, our high priest, and so I, I would encourage listeners to read that letter. It's a beautiful letter. It's There's a lot in it, right? Like it's, it's not an easy walk through the park, but it is very beautifully written. And there's a commentary that I would also recommend that I read this past year called Let Us Welcome Christ, Our High Priest. And that was written by Cardinal Van Waugh. He takes uh, the texts of the letter to the Hebrews and helps simplify it and explain what it means to say that Jesus is a priest. So if a priest is one who offers sacrifice, well, how do we see Jesus offering sacrifice? Well, it is most clearly culminated in the cross because on the cross, Jesus is offering a sacrifice, right? And what is that sacrifice? Well, it's his very self, which is different from any other priestly act that takes place in the Old Testament. The priests would always offer a sacrifice other than themselves, right? They would offer the lamb or they would offer the ram. But in Jesus, he is both the priest who offers the perfect sacrifice and he himself is the perfect sacrifice. So that's how we see Jesus as a priest. So finally, how is it that we live out this priesthood? Well, as Emma mentioned, there's the difference between kind of this ordained priesthood. So I have the, the great honor, the great gift that God has given me to be joined to the one priesthood of Jesus, to be able to offer the sacrifice of the mass, right? So Calvary is represented on the altar every time that I pray the mass, and that's not because of any merits of my own or because I'm super awesome or smart or holy. It's purely a, a gift from God. It was uh, his call for my vocation, and so I, I offer the sacrifice of the mass. But one of the things that has struck me, ever since I was a kid, I would hear this said at the Mass. The priest would be up at the altar after he had set the altar, and he'd go, pray, brothers and sisters, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God, the Almighty Father. And I always wondered, wait, like I kind of get that Father's offering a sacrifice up there, but how am I offering a sacrifice? Or like what exactly am I offering in sacrifice? But actually, going back to that Lumen Gentium document that I mentioned from Vatican II, it really summarizes this beautifully. Like, how does somebody who's not a priest offer sacrifice in union with Jesus? And this is just really beautiful. I'll just read it word for word. It says, all their works, that is all of us, but in a particular way it's addressing the laity, all their works, prayers, and apostolic endeavors, their ordinary married and family life, their daily occupations, if carried out in the spirit and even in the hardships of life, if patiently born, 
All these become spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Together with the offering of the Lord's body, they are most fittingly offered in the celebration of the Eucharist. So one more kind of practical application I would put there, and then Emma, if you want to add anything, I would just say that all throughout our days, we have ways in which we can offer up sacrifices. You've probably heard that expression before of offering up your suffering or, or offering up small sacrifices. Perhaps the little way of St. Therese is one way of describing it, but we can offer up sacrifices in union with the sacrifice of Jesus for the sake of God's blessing upon others. But in a particular way at the Mass, I would really highly encourage those of you, next time you go to Mass, to just consider, right as Mass is starting, what it is that you brought with you into church that day. What's weighing on you? What's going on in the world? What's going on in your family? What's just going on in your heart? And just offer all of it on the altar, right? The sacrifice of everything that's going on in your life, the sacrifice of your very heart, offer it in union with the sacrifice that's taking place on the altar at Mass. That's bringing the sacrifice of everything that's going on, your sacrifice of praise, all of it. It all gets offered in union with the sacrifice that the priest is offering, which is the sacrifice of Jesus on Calvary. So, boom, hope that was condensed and yet you know, oh, content-filled enough to get an introduction of what it means for all of us, whether ordained or a layman or woman, to live out our priestly calling. Yeah, no, I think that was beautiful. I just wanted to share one of my favorite prayers, that it's a prayer that the priest actually prays silently during the Mass, and it's right before what you just shared. So after the altar is set, right, and after the priest prays, Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation, for through your goodness we have received the bread, and he says the same thing for we've received the wine we offer you. He then bows profoundly, right, And he says, quietly, he prays, with humble spirit and contrite heart, may we be accepted by you, O Lord, and may our sacrifice in your sight this day be pleasing to you, Lord God. What I love about that prayer is that it's a beautiful union between the ministerial priesthood and the kingdom priesthood, which is the rest of us laity. Mm -hmm. Because at that moment, we if you know what the priest is praying at that moment, it's this beautiful image of the priest who is standing in the person of Christ, persona Christi, right? That you are leading us in the sacrifice, but that you are uniting all of us together, right? And it's, I find that so beautiful. And then you almost pray like the same thing, you know, mm-hmm. pray brothers and sisters that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God, the Almighty Father, mm-hmm. right? But that it's that same begging of God the Father, you know, may this sacrifice be acceptable. So that's one of my favorite prayers that the, that yeah. the priest prays. And it's that reminder with humble spirit and contrite heart that, yes, you as a ministerial priest approach the Lord with a sacrifice that is with a humble spirit and a contrite heart, but so do we, mm-hmm. right? You know, the Lord doesn't want burnt offerings or the the most gold that we could provide for him. What does he want he wants a humble spirit and a contrite heart. And that is scriptural, mm-hmm. too. Mm-hmm. That's a reminder for us that if we, you know, if we approach the altar of our Lord, right, and during the offertory specifically, what are we offering on the altar, mm-hmm. right? Who are we, like, it could be a family member, a friend, or it could be, like you said, a specific intention. But are we coming with a humble spirit and a contrite heart, mm-hmm. you know? And that's really how we live out our priesthood. So I just wanted to share that because it's, like I said, 
one of my favorite prayers that the, the priest prays silently. So Yeah, that's yeah. beautiful. Cool. Now ramp us up to be prophets in the world. What does yeah. that mean? So prophets looks that you may think of prophet and you may think, oh my gosh, this is like really a charismatic kind of thing. Are we going to get all crazy? And predict the future. Right. And that's in some sense, like the Lord could speak to us in that regard, but in the basic sense, it means something really kind of different. And so we'll go back, like how his father did, we kind of looked at the biblical perspective of what a prophet is, and so, or he looked at what a priest is. So we're going to look at the biblical perspective of what a prophet is. And so scattered throughout the entire Old Testament, you find many prophets, Elijah, Elisha, Moses, and these Old Testament prophets were vessels. They were called to be vessels of the Word of God, right? God speaks to them to share a message to his people, right? You think of the burning bush, right? And Moses coming and encountering this burning bush and the Lord speaking to him, right? And then Moses is charged to go forth and to be God's voice to the people, right? Also with his brother Aaron, Right, And so that's just like a prime example. You see this in the Old Testament that the, the Lord speaks to these certain people, right? And there's the major prophets, and especially in Isaiah and Jeremiah and Ezekiel. But then you have all of the minor prophets too. My favorite passage from scripture comes from the book of Micah, right? Who is a minor prophet too. So you, you have all of these people all throughout the Old Testament that are these vessels of the word of God. So in the Old Testament, biblical perspective, that's what a prophet was, right? And so they spoke on God's behalf to lead then people into a relationship with God, right? And so it's not someone that necessarily tells the future like a fortune teller, right? Now you have Joseph that would have dreams, right? That maybe or could interpret dreams that would see the future. But I wouldn't consider that fortune telling, like seeing the future kind of thing. Like that was an unfolding of God's plan, Hmm. right? And so the prophets, like I said, when you look in the Old Testament, it's somebody who speaks the word of God, right? And relays that. They've heard from the Lord and they relay it to the people, right? And so they give a reality check and then a call to conversion to grow closer to the Lord, right? And so then when we look at Jesus, how is Jesus a prophet? Well, Jesus is a prophet through his very being, right? He himself is the prophet that has been long foretold. And he himself is God, so he is the prophet, capital P, from his very being, right? The word of God. The word of God. He is literally the word, Mm -hmm. right? And so that we could get into metaphysics and how, you know, the, (laughs) you know, being and all of that, but just know that the word of God is the prophet. Because in the Old Testament, it was the word of God that spoke through these people. Now the word of God has become a man, right, is the prophet. And so he's the one who has come to set his people free. And so through his prophetic office, he points people to the Father, right? And so he tells of the Father's love, right? He, he is the Son of God, but he tells of the Father's love and the kingdom of God, and he brings the Father to his people. He brings them into relationship with the Father. So the word has been spoken and now is made flesh, is bringing people into relationship. So uh, that's how Jesus is the prophet in his, in his very being, but he then charges us 
to be sent out on mission. That's what baptism is. It's being sent on mission. And how do we live out our prophetic calling? Well, you and I, especially lay people, and then the priesthood has a very specific role as far as the teacher in proclaiming the word of God, especially during the mass. So it takes a difference. Like, again, there's the difference between a ministerial and a kingdom prophet. But every one of us are called to live out the prophetic to office because we are we are called to share the good news. We're called to share what Jesus did on the cross. You know, before Jesus ascends into heaven, what does he do? <laughs> Go forth to all nations, spreading the good news and baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. So he tells us, go be prophets, go be my voice in this world, sharing the good news, pointing people to my Father's love for them and to bringing them into relationship. And so that's how we are called to do that. And it doesn't have to be some grandiose thing. You know, you don't have to go start a podcast or you don't have to, you know, stand up on a stage and give talks or whatever. It could just be simple acts of love too through your actions. Or it could just be talking to your coworker and it could be lifting them up instead of maybe tearing them down or whatever. You maybe you don't have to throw like super theological terms at them, but are you sharing the good news? Are you sharing the love of God, right? And so that's how we live out, you know, our vocation and our calling because a vocation is a calling, right? The li- the little v vocation is a calling. We live that out by sharing the truths of who God is. And so G.K. Chesterton, I appreciated what he says with that in a world that is so upside down as ours, the prophet is the one who stands on his head so that he might see things aright. You know, so the prophet is the one that goes out of his way to make sure that Jesus is being proclaimed. Can I say something real quick? Yeah. That reminds me of, I don't know if you listen to Mumford and Sons and all, but mm-hmm. the song, The Cave, in the bridge, that's actually borrowed from Chesterton's biography of St. Francis of Assisi. Whoa. So the line where he goes, so come out of your cave, walking on your hands, and see the world hanging upside down. You can understand dependence when you know the maker's smile. Or I, I forget the very last sure, line of yeah. it. But like, yeah, so that's G.K. Chesterton. Wow, there to, you go. Yeah, uh, St. Francis of Assisi, like hanging upside down. And you can see that in the Mumford yeah. Sons song. I just thought that was really cool. Oh, that's sharing. cool. No, thanks for sharing that. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know that. So, yeah, we're, we're called to, to see things aright, you know, through the lens of Jesus. And so we're called to take the knowledge, truth, love, goodness, and the, and the beauty of God and, and bring it into the world. And we do this by living our faith in the workplace, continuously studying and learning, too. Like, we're not called to just be stagnant in our faith, but we're always called to learn more. You don't have to be a scholar. You don't have to read. It's hard to understand St. Thomas Aquinas. There's other people that you could read. You know, you could read Fulton Sheen or Augustine or Ratzinger. Those can even still be some pretty big name people. But there are other people that, that you could still study to, that, that make it accessible. So part of the prophetic office is to continue to learn, to continue to study, so that we can continue to share that love and knowledge of Jesus to those who are around us. So like I said, when we're baptized, we're sent out on mission. And that prophetic office of sharing the, the good news of Jesus is, is important. And it's, I mean, we live in a world so desperately in need. And so it's important that we lift that out. So did you, I don't know if you had anything you wanted to add to that? No, that's good. I think 
for me, the, the, the part that sticks out to me about the prophet is, again, they, they kind of give the reality check. Mm-hmm. So going back to that G.K. Chesterton quote or just, and, you know, oftentimes in Scripture, the prophet's reality check ends up being like a call to conversion. Like, hey, you guys have gone astray and you need to return. You need to repent of your ways and, and turn back to the Lord. So they do communicate the truth, but sometimes it's, it's hard to hear. And that's why so many of the prophets suffered, right? Jeremiah mm-hmm. being one that especially suffered. But it also reminds me too of the homily that I gave in the Gaudete reflection from our oh, podcast yes, yes. last season where I talked about, yes, we are called to be prophets, but sometimes that word gets thrown around in the church like, oh, I got to be a prophet and like say things how it is and just go out there and just like say all the things that are going wrong and stuff. And it's like, you know, if, if you are going to live out your prophetic call, like you said, it, it requires a lot of formation to understand what it is that the church teaches to really cultivate a prayer life. So that's not a that's not a barring you from saying, don't go out and be a prophet. It's like, yeah, live out your prophetic calling, but just realize that you're a vessel of, of God's word. And so you should be, you know, bearing the fruits of the Holy Spirit as you, as you preach the truth with love, et cetera. And right. yeah, absolutely. Cool. Great. Well, now I think we're on to the kingly office. Do, do, do. Do, do, do. The K of the PPK. Yes. Yes. So this is the third office. There's no like particular order. So this is the third office. And so we're going to talk about king, right? What does it mean to be a king and to be baptized into the kingly office? And so in biblical perspective, a king would be someone that's ruling a group of people, king or queen, right? I think it's pretty easy for us, I think, to kind of imagine that. But they deck of cards, the king, like... That's right. The well, yeah. That comes to my mind. Yeah. You know? There you go. Yeah. And, and so, but when they rule a group of people, like they have dominion over all of that. Yeah. So everything that's in their jurisdiction is theirs, right? They rule over that. And they're meant to rule as kind of the conduit of God, like it's supposed to be their, their ruling in the name of God, right? So right. just going back exactly. to priest and prophet, the priest offers sacrifices on behalf of the people to God, he offers blessings on behalf of God to the people. The prophet speaks on behalf of God. The king was meant to, he doesn't always, as we see throughout scripture, but exactly. he was meant to lead the people as kind of God's representative. God was supposed to be able to rule through them. Exactly. So, for example, we have King David ruled over Israel. Solomon also ruled over Israel, uh, and he was specifically known for his wisdom. Both of these people had their faults, but they were put in place, like you said, to rule on behalf of God here on earth. The list could go on and on. We could pull all of these kings. I mean, there's two books of kings in scripture. So like we could talk about the different kings and the rulers and things like that that happened. But if you really want to know, I mean, read the Old Testament. Go through Bible in a year with Father Mark Schmitz. There you go. There you go. And so a king biblical perspective, known for ruling and governing over a group of people. And so now, well, how is Jesus king? And so I think one of the easiest ways to to see how he is king is through his miracles that he did. His miracles, I, I mean, he covered things like healing the sick and the blind. So he healed physical, he could heal mental, he like he can heal the mind. He had dominion and rule over nature, like like the loaves and the fishes, the water and the wine and the wedding at Cana, you know, turning the water into wine. He had dominion over Satan. He was tempted in the desert and he's like, no. And then ultimately the resurrection is the greatest miracle. Mm -hmm. But all of these miracles that we read about in scripture point to Jesus as king, that he has rule and dominion over 
literally everything. And so I think it's very beautiful in the liturgical year. We have the last Sunday in ordinary time is Christ the King, Christ King of the universe. Mm -hmm. And so we are very intentional. Holy Mother Church is very intentional about really acknowledging Christ as King. Mm -hmm. And so how is he King? Well, he rules over all. Mm -hmm. And you see multiple, multiple examples of that throughout the Gospels. And so... Um, and if I could just... Yeah, yeah sure. absolutely. The, the few that stuck out to me, I think one of the more obvious ones in, in my perspective is Jesus is being crucified and Pilate orders for the sign to be placed above the cross that says Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews. Mm-hmm. And they try to get him to get rid of that. He goes, what I've written, I've written. Jesus and Pilate have this discussion in John's gospel about, you say I am a king. And like, well, my, my kingdom is not of this world. If it was of this world, my attendants would be coming to, you know, rescue me. So we, we hear all throughout the gospels as well about Jesus talking about the kingdom of God. You know, the kingdom of God is at hand. Well, if you have a kingdom, you got to have a king. Who's mm-hmm. the king? Jesus. Boom. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And, and so, and, oh, go ahead. Sorry. And well, it's just, Again, going back to that image of the cross, I think one of the things that shows us is how the king is meant to rule, right? Between the the washing Mm. of the feet, then you see in the cross that Jesus does not like wield his power as a totalitarian. He doesn't do it in such a way as you see some of the kings like taking advantage of their power and authority that they had back in the Old Testament times. And we see that Jesus, he is Lord. He does have dominion. He is king. And yet, like, he's also so kind, right? And he's, mm-hmm. he's the king of love. He's willing to humble himself. He's here to serve, as we see, again, in the feet washing and in w- being willing to lay down his life. So, yeah, he does have all the power. And yet, at the same time, he's willing to humble himself for the sake of those that he has authority over. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think that's important to clarify. Yeah. Right. No, absolutely. And that's one of the ways that we can live out this royal calling, because we have been brought into this inheritance through our baptism, and we get that through the kingly office, right? This inheritance, because we are a royal people, mm-hmm. right? And we're promised that. I mean, Abraham was promised that, you know, even in the Old Testament, that many descendants in a royal nation. And so we are part of that royal kingdom, and we've gained this inheritance. And so, but with that comes that mastery over ourselves to be able to serve others. That we're able to, we have a mastery over sin and from falling into temptation. And when we do that, we become more human, more in love with God to be able to serve. And so we live out that inheritance by being children, but also we live that out by living a life of moral goodness in line with the teachings of the church, in line with the teachings of the commandments, in leading and guiding others into that as well, but also being willing to serve others as well. So mm-hmm. we aren't, like we're, we're called to be servant leaders. Mm-hmm. And so Servant leaders. And then one final thing that sticks out to me as well is, you know, you talked earlier about the power of the name of Jesus mm. and just how in the name of Jesus, like we are baptized Christians and we have a share in this same power. Mm-hmm. And so over whatever kind of like evil spirits may be in our lives, like we have authority in virtue of our baptism to say like, I reject the lie in Jesus's name. Right. You know, fill in the blank. You have no authority here. Like I'm, I'm covered in the blood of Jesus. And that's, that's like specific ways that even daily we can call upon this authority of Jesus that we have in virtue of our baptism. Again, not something to be wielded around in a tyrannical way, obviously, but to be used 
for our own sake and then to be able to then be a, a servant leader for right. others. Because we do have that authority mm-hmm. through our baptism. Yep. So yeah. But we got to look to Jesus to see how we use that authority. Absolutely. Because when we start to look inward, uh, we start making ourselves kings versus yeah. pointing and keeping our eyes focused on the king. Amen. So cool. Well, like we said, we could have went a lot deeper into this, but it's something that even we are still learning on. Like I said, we there's still that mystery, there's still that awe. And so, but we hope that this gives you at least a little bit of a base of what does it mean to be baptized in Jesus Christ, right? To gain that internal eternal inheritance and some practical ways and some maybe just some ways to think about living this out in your daily life. And you haven't already, if you don't already know your baptism date, I encourage you to, to look at that and because you need to celebrate that as an as a actual birthday because that is when you are brought into the family of God. Come on. And that is a, that's a beautiful gift. And so make a cake, make a cake, celebrate, do something because baptism is a, is a gift, is a great gift. So Amen. with that, let's go into our one joys. So yeah. Father... So this is a this is a small joy, but sometimes in life you just gotta look at the you gotta be grateful for the little things, right? And so Amen. In the last couple of days I've been able to see the sunshine here in Michigan, which you don't always get in winter and you don't realize you weren't getting it until it the happens. sun comes out and you realize, Oh wow, it's been like a week right. since I last saw the sun. <laughs> and so the last couple of mornings I've been able to to watch the sunrise and just have a cup of coffee and like, man, thank you, Lord, for just this little gift that can be so easily taken for granted. So that was that was a little source of joy. Cool. Yeah. Amen. Yep. How about for yourself? Well, I went on Pustinia yes. recently. And yes. so just uh, uh, just time to get away and to pray. Can you, can you remind the listeners maybe what, what that word means? Yeah. So Pustinia or like a desert day, essentially, it's a time to just get away, an intentional time to get away where you just kind of disconnect and really focus on the Lord, spend time in prayer and reflection and just a time to reset, recharge. So the silent retreat I went on in December really just kind of kicked me in the in gear to, to do it. And so just very grateful for, for that time away to be intentional with the Lord and just disconnect. So beautiful. Yeah, it's my one joy. Beautiful. Cool. Well, thanks for the good discussion, Father. Thank you. Uh, yeah. Know that we are praying for you listeners and please pray for us. Like I said, Email us at causeforjoy.official at gmail.com if you want us to talk about something or if you have thoughts or if you have a prayer request, you know, submit it. We would love to pray for you. Be sure to check us out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, YouTube, all the things. All the things. Share us with your friends. And with that, would you like to close us in prayer? Sure thing. All right. In the name of the Father, Son, Son Holy, Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Amen. Lord, we give you thanks for the gift of our baptism. We ask that you would help us to tap into the many graces that were given to us on that day that were strengthened in the sacraments of confirmation so that we can be sent out in your name to be priests, prophets, and kings in this world that so desperately needs the good news, that needs sacrifice offered up to you, that needs to be ruled with your servant's leadership, you who are the king of love, we make this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, have a wonderful week, everyone. Get out there. Go be priests, prophets, kings. Amen. Set the world on fire with God's love. Woo!